Episode 68. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hamerty. We have just reached the end of the player's performance, the conclusion of his description of Queen Hecuba distraught and grief-stricken meandering through Troy. It is a curious challenge for the actor cast as the first player. Obviously everyone on the stage is performing in a Shakespeare play, but here we have a second level of artifice. The actor is performing his acting. Whatever temptation there may be to overplay it or ham it up, since it could be read as a pastiche of plays about classical antiquity and ancient rhetoric, the performer has to be good. I've kept coming back to how this scene is all about acting and the theatre, and this actor's performance within it is crucial. Hamlet is not only fascinated with the first player's skill, he's extremely moved by it. There is tremendous impact to this, the ability to deliver such an emotional story, The player's speech is curiously descriptive. It's not first person. It's not like it's the voice of anyone we know to be involved in the story of the destruction of Troy. It's basically a narrative poem. And for all that, this first player is able to move Hamlet and perhaps even Polonius. As soon as the player reaches the end of this speech, Polonius pipes up again. Look where he has not turned his colour and has tears in his eyes. Pray you no more. For all of his gripes that the speech was too long, Polonius is impressed that the actor has gone pale, or turned his colour, and has tears in his eyes. In the large space of a theatre like the Globe, it would have been hard for everyone but the closest groundlings to see this, so it's helpful of Shakespeare to point it out. I've seen the line performed in various ways. Sometimes Polonius is still annoyed, and sometimes he really is moved by the end of the speech. The quarto text of the play has him say, no more, good heart, no more, which might imply that he is moved rather than annoyed. His request fulfilled, Hamlet agrees that this has been enough for him for now. Tis well, I'll have thee speak out the rest soon. He then returns to his own role as host to this newly arrived company. They haven't even had a chance to take off their coats, bear in mind. So Hamlet wants Polonius to look after them, and he says, Good my lord, will you see the players well bestowed? Do you hear? Let them be well used, for they are the abstract and brief chronicles of the time. After your death, you were better have a bad epitaph than their ill report while you live. It's very important to Hamlet that the players be well looked after, since, as he describes, such travelling companies are rather like the historians of the day. Their plays chronicle or summarise the day and age, and you'd be better off with a negative epitaph on your tomb than to be in their bad books. Their ill report would do you terrible social harm. So Hamlet insists the players should be taken care of and want nothing that his house affords. Of course, Polonius never misses a chance to preach to younger folks, and here he tries to suggest to Hamlet that they are only actors, after all, and he shouldn't lose the run of himself. My lord, I will use them according to their desert. God's bodykins, man, much better. Use every man after his desert, and who would scape whipping? 
Hamlet's response to Polonius is another minced oath to add to our list. God's bodykins. While swearing by the body of Christ would be an absolute no-no, God's body, which nobody has seen since capital he had never manifested on earth in any form other than that of Jesus, was marginally more acceptable. Hamlet makes the oath milder still by using a cute diminutive and saying bodykins instead of body. It'd certainly be enough to stop Polonius in his tracks. And there's a terrible truth to the line that follows. Certainly, it's one that my mother used to love to quote if any of us were ever to moan about wanting or deserving something. If every man got what he deserved, who would escape whipping? Such sobering thoughts aside, Hamlet insists that Polonius give him more than he feels they deserve. Use them after your own honour and dignity. The less they deserve, the more merit is in your bounty. Take them in. The less they deserve, he says, the kinder it'll be of you to treat them well. Hamlet gives the order, and Polonius leads them away. Come, sirs. Hamlet sends the players off to whatever hospitality Polonius deigns to provide, and requests that they be ready to perform the next day. Follow him, friends. We'll hear a play tomorrow. But he holds the first player back to have a word in his ear. Dost thou hear me, old friend? Can you play the murder of Gonzago? Hamlet has a particular request, another one, and he asks the player if the company has this particular play in their repertoire. It is called The Murder of Gonzago. Later in the play, Hamlet will tell us that it's an Italian drama, written indeed in very choice Italian. For all that, scholars have as yet found no reference to it anywhere. There are no sources for it, no extant scripts or anything like that. So it's fairly safe by now to assume that Shakespeare made it up. The player does know the play all the same and says that yes, they can perform it. I, my lord. Hamlet doesn't stop there. He has a further suggestion to make. We'll have tomorrow night. You could, for a need, study a speech of some dozen or sixteen lines, which I would set down and insert in it, could you not? They'll have the play performed tomorrow evening, and Hamlet asks if it would be possible to add a small speech to the play which he himself will write. Some dozen or sixteen lines, sure that's barely anything, a very manageable quantity, shorter even than the excerpts we cover every week in the podcast. Despite having given him the magnificent speech about Priam and Hecuba earlier in the scene, Shakespeare's fountain of inspiration for the first player has well and truly dried up by now. The scene is closing down towards a very particular new focus, and so all the player gets to say is another, I, my lord. Hamlet replies, very well, follow that lord, and look you, mock him not. For all of the cheeky games Hamlet has played with Polonius already, there's something very interesting about him insisting to the actor that he should not mock Polonius. Is this maybe a warning to the player that Polonius is very powerful in this court, and it's only because Hamlet outranks him that he gets away with treating him like this? Or maybe that Hamlet feels a twinge of regret? It could also be that he doesn't want competition. He is already performing his own role as Mad North by Northwest, and so he doesn't want any distractions from his campaign, so it'd be easier if the actors are polite and don't complicate matters. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, the standout heroes of this scene, of course, are still on the stage. Do they hear Hamlet's plan to adapt the murder of Gonzago? 
I'm guessing they probably don't, simply because if they did, they'd surely go straight back to Claudius with such a juicy nugget of information. There's any number of bits of stage business that could keep them from hearing Hamlet and his conversation with the first player. They could have walked towards the door with the other actors, or indeed be strategising together about all that they have seen and heard since they came to meet with Hamlet. He is certainly done with them now, and dismisses them. My good friends, I leave you till night. You are welcome to Elsinore. Rosencrantz gets the last word, although it's Guildenstern in the quarto, and he gets to say, Good my lord. Hamlet is ready to be done with all of this now, and he agrees. Yes, goodbye, go on. And he says, Aye, so God be with you. There's as much of a pause then as is necessary to cover the two gentlemen in their exit, and then Hamlet says, Now I am alone. All of this has been the setup for his next great soliloquy, another extraordinary insight into the workings of this great character's great mind. We will launch into that next week, and I hope you'll join me then. Until then, thank you very much for listening, as ever, and keep an eye out for another bonus episode that's going to be uploaded very soon. You'll be able to find it alongside all of the others on the bonus page of the website, thehamletpodcast.com, and I'll be sure to publicise it on Twitter and on Instagram as soon as it's ready. I'll speak to you next time.